Hey guys, it's Giles here. Firstly, I wanted to apologise for being so quiet in recent months. I've been busy being filmmaker Giles, working on two short films for Trafford Domestic Abuse Service, teaching young people about unhealthy relationships. Those hopefully will be coming out next month, and when they're ready, I'm hoping to share them on our Facebook page. In the meantime, I didn't want you to think I'd forgotten you, so I'm releasing an episode that until now has only been available for our Patreon patrons. Our God in Music episode was the first bonus episode we ever recorded, and since then, we've added bonus episodes on God and Gaming, The Faith of Taylor Swift, as well as tons of bonus material and extended interviews. So if you want to hear more about that, sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash God in Film Podcast and join the Bishop Waller Bridge tier. In the meantime, please enjoy our God in Music episode, where Phil and I talk to Sefa Ahiaku Agri about our top 10 songs with a God connection. Please note, we recorded this last year, so whilst Kanye West was already wildly problematic in his private life, we knew nothing about his anti-Semitism at the time. So that's why we don't mention it. Depressing disclaimers out of the way. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of God and Film, the podcast where a Christian and an atheist dive into the best that cinema has to offer and see if we can find any parallels with gospel or any other Bible stories. I'm MCR fanboy and two-pack conspiracy theorist, Giles Goff. And I'm bassist and Wolfpack groupie, Phil Coleman. <laughs> How did you I couldn't know? think of another band that you liked. Well, I know because you wouldn't stop talking about them. You're like, hey, I went to New York to see Wolfpack. I, was, you know, I mean, to be fair, but- I did and it was, yeah. So it was it was that or busted, you know. <laughs> I never said I liked busted. <laughs> you don't need to say it, Phil. Okay. None of us need to say it. And for this very special episode, we're going to mix up our format a little bit. We're going to look at the best that mainstream music has to offer and see if we can find any parallels with gospel or any other Bible stories. But we didn't quite feel like we could do this alone, so we invited one of our most beloved guests back. She is a dentist by day and a musician by night, and our very own Wakandan ambassador, Sefa Ahayaku Agri. Hello, everybody. Good to be back for another little cameo appearance. Hi, Sefa. <laughs> Lovely to see you, Sefa, as always. How are, you go- how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Super excited to be invited to do this because music is like my special thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. So, yeah. Good day. Happy to be here. And also, lovely to see see your faces again. You're not the only musician in this uh, little group there. Phil, you also are a bona fide musician, aren't you? Yeah, I actually studied music. Um, mm-hmm. I studied it in college. I did a BTEC in musical performance. And I can play drums, guitar and bass. Before I loved film, I loved music. And I don't have a musical bone in my body. It's uh, It's really quite demented and sad, you know? I can understand words. I can understand lyrics. I have written a grand total of one song. Like, lyrics are basically just poetry, but with a bit more repetition. So that bit I get. But the rest of it is just gypsy witchcraft as far as I'm concerned, you know? (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, like, music really, truly is a gift from God. And the way it can make you feel and the way it can make you feel better about things or, in some cases, make you feel worse about things for, for like, almost like as a pressure valve to kind of release some, some feelings, you know? And part of that is because music gets behind your barriers. So all of us filter all the information that comes in and at us in a day. But how many times do you remember the exact words to a song that you absolutely despise? 
I know that I've done it lots of times, but if you even think of things like Twinkle Twinkle and the ABC song, same melody, different words, nobody notices, but it gets in behind your like barriers and it just lodges itself in your mind. Since having yeah. a child, I have also noticed that that similarity between, like, a lot. Of, there's, I think there's a couple of nursery rhymes that do it, and I'm just there, like, <sighs> you know, you just. <laughs> Does it make awesome. you want to go and write better nursery rhymes yourself? I see nursery rhymes as a temporary measure, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just leave the nursery rhymes to the people who love doing it. I think. <laughs> Lovely stuff. For the uh, sharp listeners amongst you, you might be able to hear uh, Phil's daughter Astrid in the background. And that's because we had no other option but to record this at at bedtime and uh, dinner time. Yeah, so So, you're lucky, basically. Yeah, you you are flipping lucky. It's a lucky thing. Yeah, count yourself lucky, guys. Now, let's get to the rationale and the criteria for this one. This is not based on sales. This is not based on anything. This list is basically from my own tortured brain. And I wanted to sort of show you the workings I did out. Okay, so this one was a bit tricky because I was kind of overwhelmed with options. So I had to come up with a few criteria. Firstly, I define mainstream as an artist predominantly known for secular work, which meant no gospel singers. Now, I think Sefa really struggled with this one the most because you listen to more contemporary Christian music than we do. And your idea of a secular mainstream singer was Lauren Daigle, who, for context, is a singer famous for being a contemporary Christian musician. And your rationale was, oh, well, she's been played on radio too once or twice. But she was also on, um, oh, I want to say Stars in Their Eyes. It's not Stars in Their Eyes. Like the equivalent of America's Got Talent. And on right. Radio yeah, 2 and on Radio 1. So to <laughs> me, that is pretty That is pretty mainstream to be on those shows as a musician. And to get yeah. Radio 2 playtime. Yeah, 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 that's true. And if she didn't have... Christian singer in the top line of a Wikipedia page, I might have let it go through, but I was like, no. So going from one extreme to the next, I then looked at mainstream artists who were secular, whose songs could easily be interpreted as God talking to people. So songs where the speaker is talking to a specific audience of, of a person who is broken by life and circumstances, who promises to never hurt them, never let them down, never desert them, etc. Now, whilst Obviously, the only person who can actually guarantee these things is indeed the Lord Almighty. It's a fairly conventional move to tell someone you love that you'll never hurt them. So for me, the applications of these songs were a little too broad, so I had to rule them out. Then I looked at songs that sounded like they were talking to God or about God, but weren't quite there. Well, you're saying about um, there's going to be never one who's going to never never let you down or anything like that. I think we can all agree that Rick Astley was never going to yeah. let you down. Obviously, you Rick Astley or, is or the, is the only... You. So, um... yeah. Rick Astley is the exception that proves the rule, yeah, exactly. you know? He's, he's, he's too good for this world, yeah, Phil. He you know? we, we, we is. We... We're no strangers to love. Oh, guys. <laughs> oh, dear. Bonus episode. Yay. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's me done, guys. Right, well, anyway, it's been a great episode. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> so, 
I then looked at songs that sounded like they were talking to God or about God, but weren't quite. So for the longest time, when I had this list in my mind, it always started off with Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen and later covered by, most famously, by Jeff Buckley. But sadly, the more I looked at it, the more I realized that Hallelujah was a song that used biblical imagery to address a relationship with another human being. So I had to rule it out. The same could be said for Madonna's pop classic, Like a Prayer, which absolutely slaps whether you're a Madge fan or not. Mm. You know, it's just so you just start singing it in your head as soon as you hear it. It's yeah. such a great tune. Huh? Even when I ruled out these, there were still ones that met the criteria, and there were just too many. So I ruled out songs that were indeed mainstream and about God, but just weren't that interesting. There's... Ooh, controversial. You would think so, but the examples I give, listen, the first one is Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds, which is literally, they just quote the book of Ecclesiastes pretty much verbatim, and that's it, you know? So I'm not getting much in the way of commentary there. That's, Similarly... It's pretty dry, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 I mean... That's like Rai Vita dry. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like we've, got, we've, got this, uh, we've got this tune, we've got to come up with the lyrics, and it's five to five on a Friday, you know? So. <laughs> well, we've got to wrap up. We've only got 20 minutes left in studio, lads. Like, yeah. just, just pick us, give us that Bible. Be right. Similarly, Bob Dylan's Gotta Serve Somebody is also pretty great, but it's also pretty simple. It, it pretty much does on the, what it says on the tin. So our final list represents songs or artists that have undoubtedly had mainstream success, that are undoubtedly about God, and that have something interesting to say. But before we get into our top 10, let's get to our honourable mentions. So guys, which songs did you give me that I rejected? That- <laughs> <laughs> that you that which songs didn't make it that you loved so i'm gonna jump in i've got two okay so the first one is gregory porter's take me to the alley they will be surprised when they hear him say take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted ones. Gregory Maporta, for those of you who don't know him, is a jazz musician and he is unashamedly a Christian but doesn't doesn't make you feel like he's shoving his faith down your throat, which is great. Um and I just think it's just such a gentle song about about Jesus meeting people at the poor, at the margins, at the fringes. Yeah, I love that one. I love that one too. Phil, if you if you're not sure, this was a song that basically it's it has a, a storytelling format and it just says like all these people in all their finery are all sort of like lining up to meet Jesus and when he actually gets there, Jesus is like, Take me to the alley, you know, find me find me all the broken people, find me the people who actually really need me. Right, and it's just I see. so it's so gentle and beautiful and it I, so very nearly made the cut. I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to listen to that one. I really wish I had. I mean I've got away with playing it as background music in surgery with patients yeah. and nurses for years and nobody's ever told me to turn it off. Nice, this actually. Oh, one of the things in my early career of, of teaching, um, I used to plug my iPod into into the sound speakers in my classrooms. I remember one time I had uh, Paramore's first album on, and one little kid, absolutely adorable. I think his name was Finn. You know, bright blue eyes, little button nose, and he comes in and says, "Sir, is this Paramore?" Yeah, Finn it is. Sir, do you like Haley Williams? 
I don't think we should really be talking about that, Finn. And then he goes, does that mean you would, sir? But she's just a bit too young for you, you know? Wow. He's like, he's like 11 years old. Bro. <laughs> like, Mom. Where did you learn that? I mean, he wasn't wrong at the time, you know? <laughs> Hayley Williams, <laughs> Hayley Williams like... was a bit too young for me at the time, but now I, I realise she's the same age as my wife, so now it's probably... You know, it's, it's, it reminds me of that I think I might be in with the shot, that's what I'm saying, you know? It reminds me of that bit in Falcon the Wilted Soldier where he's just kind of like, he's out of line, but he's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, was there any song that you uh, wished that had made it but didn't quite? There's only really one for me, just because mm-hmm. I just I saw it and thought, no way. <laughs> and that's Beer with Jesus by Thomas Brett. Yeah. I, I, I listened to it and I thought, do you know what? It's actually pretty good too. <laughs> like I, this is a pretty decent track. If I could have a beer with Jesus. Heaven knows I sip it nice and slow. I try to pick a place that ain't too crowded. Gladly go wherever he wants to go. That's so very nearly made it in beer with Jesus because it is just we don't we don't really have much representation of country in our in our final list and it's so it's so simple and so lovely and it was just adorable like what would it be like if I could have a beer with Jesus and what songs would we pick on the jukebox? Exactly. No, I just thought it was just the sweetest song. I, I, like it just seemed like it was from such a just a, such a wholesome and and just complete completely normal viewpoint like no no pretense mm-hmm. just like i just want to see like slides to have a beer with jesus that's all yeah. <laughs> and i'm just like yeah all right for me the one track that i oh, so nearly made it in was peggy sang the blues by oh, frank I turner love that song mm. do you know that one seth recognize the name and i would probably have to hear it but i've seen it appear on one of my playlists at some point so the idea is that a friend of his that he's he's lost has has come down from heaven and appears to him in a dream, and she's just like the filthiest, sweariest uh, person who somehow managed to make it into heaven. She there's this line. I said, Peggy, won't you stay here for a while? We could drink whiskey, we could play cards, and we could get wild. She said, we'll play poker and we'll play. Now you said those lyrics, I recognise that. Mm. Well, it's adorable. And it's obviously Frank Turner is like absolutely colours, nails to the mast, an atheist. And you know I have a perverse delight in taking atheist creators and talking about all the stuff that they've done and how it relates to God, you know? There's just... <laughs> There's something very twisted about me in there, and I love it, you know? <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great song. It's it probably is. one of my favourites by him. Now, without further ado, let's get into our top ten. So we have number ten. Phil, this is your choice. Would you like to introduce it for us? Yes, yeah, so this is Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. <laughs> Oh, 
You'll probably all know that song by now if you haven't heard it already, <laughs> thanks to a, a little up-and-coming show called Stranger Things that was on Netflix uh, not too long ago. Uh, I was going to say, this is the most 2022 song anyone could have ever chosen. Oh, yeah. And it came from, like, 1985 or something like I just, that. I, I just thought, I just had to put it in. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, just it's, it's quite a simple song, really. Um, lyrically, even in terms of like you know the way that it's structured and that, because it, it doesn't have a lot of repetition in it. Um, but I just like the sentiment of it. I think it, it, asking God to sort of give someone a different perspective on something to be able to help them see things from your perspective and that. I just thought that was, yeah, I, it's. A, I think it's a thing we've all felt with in certain situations with certain people. If I remember rightly, I heard the placebo cover first. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It was on an episode of Bones, and and it was just it was amazing. If you do get a chance to check out the placebo cover of Running Up the Hill, it the, the both songs are both great. I couldn't pick one, but when I that then sent me down a rabbit hole. And Kate Bush said that the idea was that it's like a couple, and they're wishing to be able to sort of swap, not just swap places, but to be able to swap bodies. You know, so she gets to see what life is like from a man's perspective, and he gets to see what it's like from a woman's perspective. And she was saying like, well, what if you could like have a make a deal with the devil to to make that happen? And she was like, well, why would you have, make a deal with the devil? Why not just make a deal with God instead? You know? Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I I still can't work out where the title comes from, but. Uh... But yeah, I love it. My oh. um my experience of the song has been being out at parties and it coming on and being like, What? <laughs> Just being Honestly. really perplexed by it. It's like what? Yeah. Make a deal with God and then Generally, it's too loud. It's been too loud for me to pick up the rest of the lyrics. And I always just thought, what a strange thing to do. Yeah, I found definitely. that it seems to be very popular with with people in uni. Like, mm. first, second year uni people who are just kind of like, oh, let's put some Kate Bush on, mate. And I'm just like... Because <laughs> my brother was telling me about this. He was in Glasgow Uni. He was saying, like, yeah, I used to play a lot of Kate Bush um, when we were just before we were going out, just at, during pre's before we went out on the town. I was just like, that's, that's probably exactly how I heard it. I was just like, that's that's a choice. And, t- and you know what? I, I, I commend your choice, actually, because Kate Bush is banging. Fair play. Let's get to number nine. Sefford, do you want to tell us what your choice was? Oh, so this is... Perhaps- Perhaps my favourite song on a night out. So you got the love. Um, I've I said it's Florence and Machine version. Giles always corrects me that it's actually Candy Stanton. Um, I stand to be corrected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like this, I put it down as as Florence and Machine or Candy Stanton because I I can't choose which one I like more. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for me that's Can- easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When you hear Florence sort of sing it, you can hear the the real clarity in the words and it just hits in a different way sometimes i feel like throw my hands up in the air i know i can count on you i think because the version that came out in like i'm going to show my age the 90s uh when the the remix of it came out it was like unapologetically disco unapologetically dance And 
I can't quite ever let go of that version in my head, even if I think Florence's one might be a little bit better. I well, love that song. <laughs> I just, it, I unashamedly love the Florence version as well. Like it, it came out when I was in a bit of a formative stage of my life. So you know, you just, songs that come out at that time, you 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 just have a bit of a love affair with them. I think. I love this song because it. I think every single time I've heard it, it's reminded me of exactly where I am. And it kind of reminds me of every single Old Testament prophet. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like putting my hands up in the air because I don't know what these people are doing. They're absolutely ridiculous and God, get me out of here. And I think that is just something that I can like, I can so relate to that this the stop and look around and just thinking, how on earth am I going to do this? How on earth am I going to get through And I can think of nights out where I've been out with friends. And for me, it's being able to be out with friends who may not share my faith, but to be able to worship on a dance floor with loads of people who are singing at the top of their lungs, even if they've got no idea the implication of what they're singing. For me, it's... It is, this song is always going to hold such a special place in my heart for that because everybody knows the words, everybody mm-hmm. knows how to sing it and no matter where you are in the UK if that song comes on, everyone's on the dance floor hands mm-hmm. in the air and that is so similar to some of my some of my best experiences of singing worship music of leading in a band when everybody's engaged in this one thing, singular yeah. visioned I, I just think it's epic I think that's a testament to how powerful a tool music is if you want to get someone to to see a different point of view or to believe something that you feel very strongly about like because it's just so it just gets under your skin so easily mm. and especially when you've got lyrics that are you're able to <laughs> that everyone's able to understand and and sort of yeah. like belt out that just makes it so much easier and it's something I, I don't know i really appreciate it i think it's great definitely it's also probably one of the first mainstream songs i could think of that had a, uh, a an explicit sort of god lean to it so it was probably one of the influences for this entire show let's get on to number eight which is my choice and it was lord give me a sign by dmx lord give me a sign let me know what's on your mind let me know what i'm gonna find it's all in time show me how to teach the mind show me how to reach the blind lord give me a sign now as you know I'm pretty gangster, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to contain myself here. I think it's it wouldn't be unfair to say that out of the three of us, I am undoubtedly the most gangster out of uh, out just, of a lot of us. Just because your name starts with a G, I mean, come on, because <laughs> just because you are G doesn't mean you are G. <laughs> and, and obviously, I am uh, I am a bit more hardcore than you guys. So sometimes we struggle to relate to to some things, you know, because I grew up on the tough streets of. Gerwin. Um I mean, you've been trying to collect gangster points ever since I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one of the one of the rappers uh, that I've always loved was DMX. Earl Simmons, as he was was known, was an American rapper and actor. He began rapping in the early '90s. He was part of a group called the Rough Riders, who also sort of spawned people like. Do you know who I'm talking about? If I say Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're part of this. Yeah, they were part of that kind of rap collective, you know. And there's always been like a biblical uh, bent to his stuff. You know, it's uh, his first album, his debut album was called It's Dark and Hell is Hot. And that came out in 1998 to critical and commercial success. Even that has a little skit on it called The the Prayer, where it's just he just sort of reads out a little poem. Did you guys get a chance to check out the music video for it? I did, actually, yeah. 
It was pretty intense, wasn't it? Did you say you hadn't seen it? Sorry, Sephra, I talked over you. There. Yeah, I didn't. I, I couldn't find it. Don't know. Oh, don't right, ask me okay. how I couldn't find it, but I couldn't. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Mm. So he does what uh, somebody who we'll talk about later down in the list as well uh, does, which is just sort of like combines like faith and politics and just the state of the world, and he does it. It's like. Well, yeah, it, it it is like if you sent DMX to church, you know. He just shouts like he he has DMX had this uh, famous like guttural kind of bark, you know, oh oh, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then he's saying, "In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus," you know. And it, so it's like gospel charismatic church just gets crammed into one of the most hardcore rappers out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I was listening to this and I I couldn't help but think like, you know, this is actually kind of heavy like yeah. like as like as a track goes and i think it was probably my favorite one of the ones that you've put on there um, right, okay. i really enjoyed it like I, i'm surprised because i don't really know much dmx but i might go and have that listen to him a bit more often because i really enjoyed yeah. this track so yeah so you know when someone mentions a particular artist you associate that particular artist with a particular song and mm-hmm. so for me dmx is x gonna give it to you yeah i'm not gonna x say the rest will to you don't wait for me to get it on your own because x gonna deliver to you knock knock open up the door it's real yeah now stop pop a stainless i could be here all day i'm phil i am hello everybody i'm Fred warrington i'm here to i'm here to represent the warrington massive yes well, there's this there's this bit of me that I'm like, oh, but is this the same is this the same artist as X gonna give it to you? And I I mm. used to listen to a lot a lot of DMX growing up, and I never came across this. I just I love it. Yeah. And similar to one of the other artists we're gonna talk about, I just I love the fact that if people of faith, we are never two D things, we're never one thing or another. We are broken yeah. and magnificent. And so the fact that 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 I'm like, oh, is this real? I, I love the fact that actually. Your DMX and your DMX doing because, like a gospelly type thing, and that those things can exist, mm. and that's okay. Because, like, what's interesting about X is is that, like, in terms of rap, no one was harder, no one had a tougher edge to him than, than X, you know. And he releases this song, and it's not a one-off. It's not. It's not an aberration. And he, you can tell his faith is real. He'd had a really um, messed up childhood. He seriously struggled with his mental health, and unfortunately. Um, X died age 50 of a heart attack, um, I think, last year or the year before. And and the thing I love about it is the is the honesty to it. Because if all that stuff was real, if all the hood stuff was real, if all the stuff in the streets is real, then this is just as real. And I love it. You know, he's there's the, the line where he's saying, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. X is quoting Isaiah 54 uh, verse 17, which sort of states that nothing can destroy the church or one's faith in God. Whilst many try, as long as you have faith, you can never truly be destroyed. And he just, how can I put it? It's almost like the aggressive side of faith. Does that make sense? Mm. Like it was aggressive in more of an assertive tone than it was like yeah. anger. Like he was trying to put out a point there, just like, you know, I've had a lot of things thrown at me here, but it's not shook my faith. Yeah. And I want to make sure you all know about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've talked in the past about how there are different models for the church, you know, how sometimes it's a family and sometimes it's a body and sometimes it's a bride. But this one fits perfectly with the idea of like, the church being an army you know because mm-hmm. this feels like a marching song yeah and i that, agree with that and there and there is some and i in, i think in my own faith 
I was just chatting to somebody about it last night that sometimes life gets hard, sometimes faith gets hard and you've got to like dig deep, march assertively and declare the things that you know. And for me, this song sits squarely in that camp. Phil, do you want to tell us about number seven? Yes. So this is... The Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. I realise it's actually not when the man comes around, it's just the man comes around. There's a man going round taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. I actually first heard this song in the introduction to 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Right, okay. um, wow. It suits the tone of the film, I think, just because it's it's about sort of like the reckoning, you know, the re- <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the 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 judgment upon all living things. Um, and he talks about sort of death coming on a pale horse. And he yeah. talks about, um, you know, the 100 million angels singing, everyone marching to the big kettle drum. And I just remember listening to it and just thinking, wow, this is terrifying like yeah. it's quite a um because it's quite an upbeat track mm. you know it's got quite a nice little beat to it and and he, he sounds jubilant about the whole thing yet the, the yet the actual subject matter is well if you think about it kind of really 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 scary <laughs> yeah mm. seth have you ever heard this track before i had listened to it for the first time today and had oh, lots wow. of and lots of thoughts <laughs> yeah so obviously it's it's quotes pretty heavily revelation from revelation All yeah revelation four you know the alpha and omega but, but you know, also it... some of the minor prophets as well so in the middle of the song it goes back to quoting some bits from earlier on in the old testament it's hard for thee to kick against the priest i want to say somewhere before sam's don't quote me on it but yeah but a lot of that kind of i guess a lot of the prophecy stuff that we see in the in mm-hmm. Revelation and then in the Old Testament. He's picking up on a lot of that. I know. He just blends it together beautifully. A little bit talking... You know like we were talking about in the Midnight Mass episode not too long ago? Yeah. About how that sort of... Do you know the way that uh, Monsignor Pruitt in there is like... He's talking about shedding your earthly body and giving way yeah. to your heavenly body by basically drinking poison. It's if for me, it's got a similar, not the same, but similar vibe in the sense that, like you know, it's time to give up your, you know, what you've what you've got on this earth now. You're time to be judged and to be sorted, mm-hmm. and to be, you know, to live your eternal life now. And it has yeah. that similar sort of like finality to it, and and that that source, that sense of oblivion, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone as like as an atheist, criminy, <laughs> it's just. <you're> t- <laughs> You're just, you're just there thinking like, oh, well, you know what? I, I really hope I was right because good grief. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I think this is why it reminds me of some of like, I don't know whether you got, you've probably got them in Manchester. Street peaches, they get their soap books up on the megaphone. Yeah. You're oh, all yeah. going to hell. And sometimes some of them elaborate on that a little bit more. Part of it reminds me of a person stood on, on a soapbox on the corner of a street saying, it's the end of the world. I know I'm on the right side. Are you? And just kind of presenting that as an option to somebody, but being like, I'm telling you, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. This would be well-placed blaring out of their sound systems on a Saturday afternoon. 
you know, I like I like how you say like I know I know I'm on the right um I'm on the right side. Are you? I think my reply would just be like, well, it's a bit bloody late. <laughs> <laughs> What's supposed to do now? I've just watched my boss ascend. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, might, I, I, may as, I may as well go grab a couple of cans from the offy. Oh, the gospel according to Phil. Just, <laughs> uh, what can I say? That's just. To be fair, that is pretty much what the disciples did as well. The disciples were were cowering in a in a room in Jerusalem when Phil came in and said, "Hey, lads, I picked up a couple of tinnies. Yeah, let's." <laughs> Don't worry, I got I got us some bloody Stella, but it's the it's the little Stella, a bit hard up at the moment. Oh dear. <laughs> anyway, I'm so sorry. Anyway, number six, Sefa, do you want to tell us about this one? Yes, number six is Shackles by Mary Mary. Mm-hmm. And before there was Florence and the Machine with You Got the Love, there was Shackles and Mary Mary. At least in my in my musical growing up. This was one of the first like blatantly Christian songs that I heard mainstream and I had it on repeat. And growing up, I used to sing in a gospel choir and it was a song that we sang in a gospel choir. And as a singer, I just, I love, I love their voices and the way they speak and the way they sing and carry forward a message with such authority. And I think the thing that this reminds me about in the Bible is the in, I think it's in Isaiah, it talks about the year of the Lord's favour, that God is going to protect the captives free, he's going to bring good news, he's going to bring sight to the blind, there's going to be a restoration of all things broken and people are going to be set free and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be exuberant and it's going to be fantastic. And that this song for me kind of captures the energy of that, that like, bring on the day when that happens so I can dance and sing and use my whole being to worship. This is the most 90s Christian youth camp (laughs) song of 90s Christian youth camp song. When you become a Christian as a teenager, you go from like mainstream culture into this entirely new culture where with different priorities and the rest of it. And then all of a sudden, like mainstream culture are playing one of your songs do you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're like this is a god song and we're christian do you know yeah. you know i had Absolutely. no clue that this was a god song <laughs> and I, and I, that the first thing that i thought when i listened to it earlier i was like hang on a bloody second i know this song. <laughs> but, I, but i know it quite well as well like i just didn't know who it was by or what it was called um, basically <laughs> mainstream media got you played <laughs> Yeah, man. I was just like, I was just like, you know, still a banger, like, don't bother me. Yeah, but, yeah. But I was still, absolute. I just just took me back a bit when I put it on. I was like, oh, I ain't got a minute. I know this. Absolute but I, banger. I, I do like though the fact that, like you were saying, Sefa, like it's just so jubilant and mm. it, it just makes you want to get up and dance and and worship in whatever and whatever it is you're worshiping. I guess that day, although it's very specifically about God. Um, yeah. I just like those kind of songs. They they remind me of being a kid because I grew up in nineties. fantastic Phil do you want to tell us about number five yeah I thought you know I'm surprised you chose this one because I thought it was a bit of a left field suggestion it's Until the End of the World by U2 Mm -hmm. and so when I first listened to this song I was quite young 
and I just thought that the guitar sounded pretty damn cool. And I really liked, <laughs> I really liked Bono's voice in it, and it just sounded very sort of like cool and and shifty and strange. And I don't mm. know, it just felt it had a certain feeling to it that I couldn't put put my finger on. We ate food, we drank wine, everybody having a good time, except you, you were talking about the end of the world. Since you've chosen the song, I had, did a little bit of research, and apparently it's about Judas talking to Jesus. Uh, yeah. About betraying him, and when I, because I, I initially thought it was about a man betraying a woman, like betraying someone's mm. trust, and I think that the song's designed that way to sound like yeah. that. But after doing some research and just listening to the lyrics again and thinking about what I know about the gospel and what about and about the story of Judas, I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> <laughs> That's so bloody cool. Yeah. You know, the fact that they were... T- I feel like it was a... It's a really interesting blend of that secular style of music, but with a... Mm. With a... with a, Almost like a metaphor. Like, it's not quite... It's not, it's not really a metaphor. So what I'm looking for. It's, it's not... It's an indirect reference to the yeah, Bible. They, they... It doesn't necessarily say, I'm Judas and I'm talking to Judas and I'm about to betray him. Ha <laughs> ha, got some cash now. It's not said anything well, like that. You know? Well, what the, thing I, the thing I really liked about it, because I've, I've never heard this song before until you introduced it to me in, in this for this uh, show. Uh, what I liked about it was it sort of exists within that tradition of dramatic monologues written from the perspective of the bad guy. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's that might be an oversimplified, but the way it talks about, you know, we were sitting in a in a dinner and I looked at you and then you looked at me like it was the end of the world you know he it sounds like a like you say there's the like a man and a woman relationship stuff it sounds a little bit misogynistic it sounds really dark and sort of sleazy and the rest of it you, you know I'm always a little bit of like a a, a um a Judas apologist you know yeah. like he, he might have betrayed Jesus but you don't kill yourself unless you are racked with guilt and you don't you're not racked with guilt unless you feel like you made absolutely the wrong choice and, yeah. and you love that person you know it, it made me um, feel ve- it felt very film noir yeah That's, that was the, that was the thing the massive the thing in my head that i was thinking of was like a dingy city steeps in rain lights in the background a, a, a dingy sort of cafe or restaurant with a glass of red wine like it just mm. that, that's it, it made me think of that all the way through and i love that song for that and i, I think i love it even more now that i know more about it I feel there's got to have been like a real sort of edge of danger to this because obviously Bono is uh, is born in Dublin and sort of grows up around that that area and he has his uh, I think his dad's Protestant and his mum's Catholic or or the other or the other way around I can't remember which way it is exactly so when you start talking about like those very ingrained sort of religious beliefs doing a song like this feels quite dangerous do you know what I mean. I feel like that's probably why he took an indirect approach mm. with the lyrics. Like yeah. he didn't necessarily say, this is a song about Judas. You know, like he didn't exactly go like completely <laughs> on the nose about it. <laughs> he, um, I feel like he, he he just told a first person perspective story mm-hmm. with a with this air of, again, sleaziness is a really good way of putting it, I think, actually. Um, yeah. Which could be applied to many different situations. But when you dig a bit deeper, it's very much about that that particular story in the bible 
There is um there's a line in this that I loved. It said um my sorrows learned to swim, and it just reminded me of so many of the psalms, like the the fact that sometimes sorrow can heap upon sorrow upon sorrow, and that can can bog you down. And the the psalms are called the songbook of Israel. They are mm-hmm. the things that they would sing about together and at feasts and festivals, and so many of them talk about. I guess sorrow and what to do with it and how and how it beats you down and grinds you down and so that line really stood out to me do you know i absolutely yeah. love that that's so cool <laughs> i've been listening to this song since i was like 11 and i just didn't realize that this has got like you know so much subtext it's great awesome source number four is my choice and it is devils and dust by bruce springsteen or the boss, as as is also Te boss. <laughs> Te, Te boss. Uh, so, Devils and Dust it appears on his 2005 album of the same name, and it's a song written in the first person by an American soldier in the Iraq War around 2003. You know, the the soldier struggles to find his way emotionally and spiritually through the just horrors of war. The opening line is, "I got my finger on the trigger." But I don't know who to trust When I look into your eyes There's just devils in dust The, the chorus says I got God on my side And I'm just trying to survive What if what you do to survive Kills the things you love Fear is a powerful thing can turn your heart black you can trust It'll take a God-filled song Feel the devil's end us What I found really interesting about that is we don't really talk about the faith of soldiers. Do you know what I mean? We don't really talk about people who have to do violent things and how their faith might affect that yeah yeah i see what you're saying like going back to film for a moment i think i hear a lot in depictions of american soldiers in film or or, or it's more on the nose their faith yeah. it's like you know by the grace of god or you know this is it's god's will that i'm doing this or yeah. you know i have god on my side that's why i've got the power to be able to you know ruthlessly murder and all these people is, for a country <laughs> kind of thing scary as hell i once remember hearing an interview with like a uh, an army chaplain and he was saying you know so on the eve before going to battle i pray for total victory in the name of jesus and you're like oh uh, oh oh okay um yeah I- it's <laughs> i don't like anybody that simplifies faith to that level of God is on our side. He is not on your side. We're the goodies. You're the baddies. The song, I, the thing I, I love about this is that when he says, I've got God on my side, it's not irony, but there's a, a, a level of doubt in that line for me. Does that make sense? Do you see what I mean? On the topic of that as well, like, I, like that chaplain who's saying, yeah. like, I believe a total victory in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I'm pretty sure that Jesus isn't really into his zero-sum games, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, like, not what he's about in the slightest. So um, yeah, maybe Jesus... don't do it in his name. Do it in the name of Kevin. You know, like, you might be into it. <laughs> who's Kevin? Exactly, anyone. Just any, any other person other than him, you know? Jesus uh, isn't in the situation room saying, I want a proportionate response, you know? Take him. How... It's, it's not his style. But, however, you look back at the Old Testament, and I 
I know this is something that people mm-hmm. have struggled with through the ages. And there is most definitely bits of the Bible where God says, I will give you total victory because I am with you. And yeah. and as a Christian, I, I don't believe that I can tear those bits out of my Bible or explain them away, even mm. though that they are, I find some of it really difficult and unpalatable in some ways. But actually that the Christian faith does say that God God does do that. Sometimes God does pick one tribe, one nation, one place over another. And I think the the difficulty can be in is who who discerns that? And in yeah. our culture, we've seen a lot of people stick in the name of God as a a bumper sticker on things. Yeah. And we've seen the fallout of that. And I think that in that we've actually lost some of the beautiful thing that actually sometimes God is like with you and he does want total victory and that doesn't necessarily mean that you and your pals are going to go slaughter a whole village of people but actually Mm. sometimes god is conclusive about how something is going to end up yeah 100 percent. i completely agree with you the thing that that freaks me out is is that everybody thinks that god is on their side you know everybody thinks god sees things their their way and one of the themes uh, of this last series that we've done is people doing really bad things in Jesus' name. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... They, they, they like to just take take liberties, I think mm. is the term. You know, it's... And it can, it can at least in uh, in fictional media, it can have some rather disastrous outcomes. And unfortunately, in real life too. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to number three. So that is Faith by Kendrick Lamar. This is one that I only found out about recently. I am not a huge Kendrick fan, but when everybody keeps telling you how amazing he is, you're like, yeah, all right, I'll check it out then. <laughs> and this is one of the ones that definitely stands out. Even though this is quite um, quite early on, I think it's from 2011. This is the first uh, song he released under his own under his own name of the Kendrick Lamar EP. I was going to say, this is probably why I couldn't find it on Spotify. It must be like from like a mixtape or an EP or something like that. Like, cause yeah. I was quite surprised because I thought I'd listen to all of Kendrick's stuff. I was like, hang on a minute, I don't know this one. What? <laughs> so what I liked about it is it takes a similar sort of style, similar structure to things like TLC by Waterfalls, where it takes like three different stories and like does one story per verse roughly. Kendrick comes from like Compton in LA. So he's we're talking like the same place as like NWA, Dr. Dre. He talks with the, the specificity of it about... You know, I was I came to to Jesus and I, I I was calling out for him, and then my faith was full, and then I came out and then found out one of my mates had been shot. I'm giving testimonies to strangers I never met. Hopped on the pulpit and told them how I was truly blessed. Felt like I'm free from all my sins when the service was over. Walked out the church and got a call that my homie was murdered and lost my faith again. You know, and it talks about the things that can knock your faith. You know, I'm not saying they should. We, we've talked in the past about how I, I struggle with people who say, well, I was a Christian and then this bad thing happened to me. So I'm not a Christian anymore. But to me, I'm always like, do you know what happens at, at the center of Christianity? You know, you know what that you know what that cross is about, right? There was an honesty to this. It, it details stories of faith and opinions on the struggle people go through with keeping their faith through trying, trying times and battling temptation. And I've only listened to it one or two times, but I am absolutely fascinated and I really want to listen to it more. I listened to it earlier on and the last line in the recording that I listened to was 
literally caught me by surprise because it's it's a line that I used to use in secondary school when you, people used to tell me that my faith is stupid or that believing in God was silly. And it says mm-hmm. that I would rather believe in a God, die and find out that he didn't exist, than not yeah. believe in him and die and find out that he did. Which sounds, it, it sounds quite basic, but actually that's what faith is about, that despite the doubts, choosing choosing to choose your faith again yeah. and again and again in the hard times and the easy times and in, and in everything in between. And, and I find in my own moments of doubt that it's still... I don't I haven't I literally haven't thought of that phrase in fifty years, and so it's mm. brought back a lot of memories. But it's the I come back to that sentiment that when I stand back and I look at the world and creation, I can't deny. There's nothing in me that can deny that God exists, and so why why would I choose not to to choose Him? And so that yeah. really um that really stuck out for me. Yeah, I think. I saw something that popped up on my on my feed recently, a memory of mine, because obviously doubt is an inescapable part of the Christian experience, isn't it? And I saw a quote and I I can't remember who it was. If I can if I can sort of find it later, I will. But they said being having doubt is part of being a Christian. The only time you will have no doubt is when you see you die and you see God for in right in front of you so if you are saying you have doubt all that is saying is you're not dead yet you know (laughs) i like that (laughs) sort of going off the back of what you were saying seth i like that last line (laughs) as somebody who doesn't believe in god no it's it's one of those things where you it does it makes you it makes you wonder if you're making the right choices it's it's something that i choose to live with and it's frightening in some ways but i I, I wasn't expecting to be made to feel that way by kendrick (laughs) Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's no, it's not your fault. I, I, if anything, I, I, I blame King Kenny. <laughs> but, um, no, it just, I just, I, I saw that lyric when I, because I was, I, I was, I was basically had the, the song up, and I was, I was reading along with the lyrics as well, just so I could definitely make sure I was catching everything. Mm. And that line There's at the that... end, I was just like, oh no, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. In school, somebody did. Um, in. Sorry. In in school, somebody. I, a similar conversation and happened and somebody another christian walked past as i was having a conversation with somebody else and he went you're an atheist that's ballsy <laughs> he just walked up <laughs> i was like oh my gosh ouch such a burn <laughs> yeah no i was gonna say like i'm gonna need some i'm gonna need some pseudocreme <laughs> like, <that> was... <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah there was a, a quote from kendrick when he was speaking to i think it was complex um uh, website last year and he says I got a greater purpose Lamar said God put something in my heart to get across and that's what I'm going to focus on using my voice as an instrument and doing what needs to be done and I, I love that because one of the one of the greater great things about being a Christian is you get a feel like what you're doing has a purpose and has a significance to it and for me being able to sort of run this podcast has been has been one of those things you know like i get to talk more about god here than i do anywhere else you know and the we we could have done any other kind of podcast we could have done just a straight film podcast we could have done all sorts of stuff but i didn't feel like in i didn't feel like there was anywhere else where i would have something to say that nobody else had said yet do you know what i mean mm. I've I've got one last thing. It's 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 not quite related to the song, but it's just something that just popped into my head. Why didn't we call this the Godcast? Oh, that already exists, does it? Or does it already yeah. exist? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, we need to take them out. 
Because <laughs> God is on your side? Uh, I'd, I'd like to think I've earned a couple of brownie points somewhere. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Our movements must be long range and decisive. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I'm actually not going to kill anyone. Um, I just really want to put that in plain English. Oh, yeah. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Look, Phil's not going to kill anyone here, guys. I'm from Warrington, all right, but it's not my old personality. <laughs> I have dreams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Sefa, take us through number two. Ah, oh, so I've been kind of cheeky because I've put a mm-hmm. song that's part one and part two, and yep, it yep. is Blinded by Your Grace by Stormzy, which... Mm-hmm. It's my modern day shackles and Florence and yeah. the machines. You've got the love, and both of you know me reasonably well. You know I don't do cold, I don't do wet, and I don't do hungry. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> like festivals in Europe are a no-no. But watching mm-hmm. Stormzy perform this at Glastonbury on my TV at home, I have never ever in my life wished I had been at a festival more than that moment. I literally was dancing around my house, rapping, crying. It was. A sight to behold for sure mm-hmm. again similar to dmx when when i think stormzy i think about vossy bob that's the song that comes in my head but then i also think about this you think about what vossy bob it's a song by stormzy you should listen to it it's okay. hilarious um, okay. <laughs> i will also need to do some required reading <laughs> <laughs> this song to me it's just such it's a prayer first and foremost um, yeah. but it's also just like an honest declaration of faith he goes this is god's plan they can never stop this like wait right there could you stop my verse you saved this kid and i'm not your first it's not by blood and it's not by birth but oh my god what a god i serve he just kind of gives testament to the fact that yes i'm up on this stage yes i'm doing this amazing thing yes that i've got all of these accolades and i've got a ton to be thankful for but i'm not going to stand here and say that that's by my merit that is how every Christian should decide, define every single success that yeah. that they ever have. And again, I, I relate that there have been times where I've been blown away. I remember at the end of my, when I finished my degree and I graduated mm-hmm. and just being like, I'm so proud of me. And I'm like, actually, no, I'm so grateful to God that I got through this because actually without God, this would have been an absolute show. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just love it. And I love the fact that similar to DMX, Stormzy isn't somebody whom people would naturally relate as a person of faith, mm. but you look at his performance and the the way he sings and you deliver this, and you know that actually he's a person who is broken and miraculous, that he is yeah. a masterpiece and a work in process. And you see both of those things come together, and I, I just think it's beautiful. And I think it links in with the idea that I, I think I was circling around earlier of faith and masculinity you know that there can be a you can be strong and you can love god and you can be i don't know if if aggressive but not threatening makes any sense like we were saying before i think that's assertion assertiveness yeah assertive yeah there we go similar to that that mary mary thing 20 years earlier christians the flipping land 
all over were all like, have you heard Planet by Your Grace Have you heard You know, he was like, uh, no, I haven't yet, but I'll, I'll get round to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It has made my worship sets at church on occasion. Oh. It has also made several other people's worship sets. I don't know whether I can say it was by accident. I think they planned it, but they didn't tell anybody <laughs> that they planned it. But, but again, it is a song that as a congregation we can... We can sing, Lord, I've been broken, although I'm not worthy. You've picked me. Mm. And yeah, it's it's stunning. Yeah. Just listen Absolutely. to it. If you've not listened to it, just listen to it. Uh, and now, here we are, the number one spot. Can I get a drum roll, please, <laughs> Phil? <laughs> number one is Jesus Walks by Kanye West. We are war. We are war with terrorism, racism, but most of all, we are war with ourselves. God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. Jesus uh, walks. walks. God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. Jesus walks with me. Only thing that I feel is my prayer. Don't fail me now. Yeah. Sorry, guys. He might just sing the whole song for you. Yeah, that might happen. And none of us know the words as well as we all think we do. We are war with racism, terrorism, but most of all, we are war with ourselves. <laughs> it's such a banger that song. Like it's just a bona fide, mm. unmitigated banger. <laughs> Do you guys such... remember the music video for this? Well, yeah. here's the thing, right? There were three music there were three. videos. There were three music videos. What? He does. He does the first one, which is I think is is going to be directed by Hype Williams or something like that. He doesn't quite like it. They do it. They do it again. And that's the one with him in, with like in the corridor with the flames and that's the, the one I remember of, the one yeah the one we all know and then there's a third one of a guy sort of done up as Jesus which they filmed guerrilla style for one day in Chicago for forty thousand dollars I'm like classic Kanye well what do you need like we could sh- I don't know give me the 40, 40 grand I'll I'll come over I was going to say, gonna say like. Where did the forty grand go? Do you have to close a street or something, or like yeah, bribe a cop? <laughs> like, I it's just, I just well, so then I think I'm referring to the second video because the imagery in it is so yeah. strong about yeah. slavery, the KKK, fires, mm. and faith, like all of those things mashed together. To me, I ca- I can't see, I can't hear this song without that that image just brandished yeah. in my mind. Yeah, same. Well, well, I think one thing that we've we've danced around here and we've not really gotten onto it is the intersection between faith and race as well, because mm-hmm. it's a it's a hell of a lot of people of color of, of black artists in our list here, and I I want to get into this at some point, but I've still I haven't found the angle that I want to talk about yet. The thing I like about it is it says that God touches everything we've talked about drug dealers murderers cripples as he as he says which creates a little bit but he also talks about you know how you know radio won't play a single and stuff like that and it talks about sin from the terrifying to the mundane and it has so much in there again it's got that deliberate kind of marching beat to it and again like christians we go wild 
when there's a Christian thing in mainstream, you know, mm-hmm. if there's something that we could sing, that you'd sing at church that also is here and on the top 40, we lose our minds for this kind of nonsense, you know? I'm just watching the video on mute now <laughs> as uh, as you're talking about it. And I, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's so striking, like the sort of the visuals of like, you know, people being enslaved and yeah. mining things and being beaten up by white police officers and sheriffs and the fire behind Kanye and it, great visual representation of all the things you were just trying to say. Do you know what yeah, I mean? it link it links in with with stuff like Thirteenth Amendment, like Ava DuVernay sort of said in in a film later, how slavery was illegal, but they still needed slaves, so they would make it so that prisoners could do effectively unpaid work. So then you needed to make more prisoners, so you needed to make more crimes that that people could be could be done for. So the idea of slavery existing in a continuum today, you know, like, yeah. The, yeah. There's such such density to it. I think the thing I like about it is just the fact that there's a there's a dare in it. You know that line. They said you can rap about anything except for Jesus. That means gun, sex, lies, videotape. But if I talk about God, my record won't get played. Uh. He's literally, yeah, he's literally <laughs> daring the DJs. Going, yeah, go on. Go on, you're not going to play me, are you? You're never going to play. You know, it's, yeah. it's, and like DJs literally heard that and went, "Oh, really, Sunshine? Well, listen to this, you know." And they play it, and it just smart move. Like in yeah. in terms yeah. of like as a musician, it is a smart move, and and either either it's a point that proves the rule, or mm. it's the or it's the opposite, which in this case it is. But I I think when I was listening to this earlier, I think this this song and songs like it, so Kendrick and Mary Mary. It's kind of like when you think about the history of gospel music, where gospel music came from blues, slaves on plantations, singing songs and singing bits of Bible that they had to to get them through. For me, this kind of feels like not just the intersection of those things, but kind of like the pivot point that, oh, Mm. actually, we're not we're not slaves anymore. Like, that's not us being slaves in the traditional sense and putting this in air quotes is not yeah. that's not the story anymore but we are still oppressed pulled down beaten yeah. down but do you know what god still sees us god is still for us and i see that as kind of like the like you said that intersection between racism and and faith and almost like how gospel music these days is transitioning into something different you've got your traditional type of gospel music that vibe and feel but then you've also got like gospel trap and gospel drill and things that would say similar things but but they 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 sound different and they're not coming from they're not coming from the heartache of slavery like some of the really old gospel songs that that Mm -hmm. we knew but they're coming from a different kind of heartache that shares that they they share something they share something different and so i guess it's it's yeah it's a it's a modern pivot for me of yeah i think for me I'd say there's there's probably three kinds of Christians, for want of a better phrase. There's there's the ones whose faith is strong all the time. The people we, we, we want to be like. Then there's the people whose faith is strong when everything's going really well. The people who, when life is, is plain sailing, they can look around and thank God for, for everything they've got. And then there's the kind of people whose faith is strongest during adversity, during, when, you, when you feel oppressed at all sides, when you have no one else to turn to but God. That's where their, their faith the strongest for me i am probably in that that last camp there uh, and i think if we were kind of trying to find the, the correlation between 
um, between race and gospel music that we're looking at. I think it would probably have something to do with that, that some that people's faith can be stronger when facing great adversity. Mm. Does that sound about right, or am I just... No, that 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 makes a, a lot of sense to me. Like I think when when you back when you feel like your back's up against the wall, you you can get a second wind wind and it causes you to dig deep. When when I think about leading on a Sunday morning, some of the times when I feel most equipped to lead is when my personal life is really difficult and things <laughs> and things are really and and because of that, I've got to dig deeper than I would on a week where things are fine and it's it's yeah. easy to be like hey i've got ten thousand reasons that why god is amazing and yeah as opposed to i've got one and i have had to wrestle this in the hands of the devil this week and this is all i've got and and here it is and so yeah that that makes some sense to me 100 percent. i uh, i um i had the the album uh, college dropout which came out in 2004 and this was the uh, the fourth single i had the same album it was one of my favorites I, when, I, when it came out and the second song that comes out that sort of feeds comes right after Jesus walks is never let me down and those two songs for me exist as in a in a pair not just because one bleeds into the other but because the the song never let me down is same same things it's like it's almost like Jesus walks part 2 and i was i was thinking about this i was thinking about i was thinking about the inherent dichotomy that we have with Kanye West mm-hmm. uh, because I like a lot of people really wish we had college dropout Kanye again that we had late registration or graduation day Kanye that that kind of person who was interested in social issues and those intersections of faith race class gender all those things whereas the latter Kanye is is all guns bitches and bling and that's fine and uh and i'm not saying there's not a place for that but there was there, there was a really interesting usp that got lost there we, we then see in his in his personal life kanye does some really problematic as hell things and then it looks like and you can tell me if i'm if you if i'm wrong but it looks like sometimes it's like he's using his faith as a shield from criticism. People are going to go, oh, Kanye has this church service and he's he's doing this and he's doing that. And we can overlook the fact that he's, he's harassing his ex-wife's new boyfriend on, uh, on the internet. I agree. So you've, you've got Kanye when he was cool, Kanye when he transitioned to Jesus. Jesus. And I was like, yeah. what? This is like yeah. blasphemy. Then the album where... In my words, it sounds like somebody let Kanye out of his cage and recorded what happened. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> kind of the latest iteration, Kanye version four, where he's got the gospel choir, which which I love. And I think, I guess like anybody, the your personal life, especially when it's lived on the person on such a public stage, does mm. bring your testimony in into question. And yeah. it it makes it really difficult to take. I I absolutely adore his Sunday service albums and the choir. But it mm-hmm. makes it really difficult to take those things at surface value because yeah. of all the other stuff that's happened in between. And that's not to say that everybody's perfect. I'm sure that if all of us were to live our lives on a screen for everybody to see, although Instagram we probably all do <laughs> to various degrees, but if we were to live under that amount of scrutiny, I, I don't know how many people, save Obama, because, you know, he's amazing, would stand mm-hmm. up to that level of of scrutiny but as you said some of his some of his faux pas are colossal yeah and it, it, it for me it got underscored when marilyn manson had uh like 
a, a litany of accusations of abuse come out of him from ex-girlfriends. And he then denies all of them and then starts turning up at Kanye's church services, you know? Mm. And it's it doesn't sit well in, in my throat because my God is not a fig leaf for your indiscretions. You know, it's not a, it, and I, the, 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 where I've come to land it on it is you need a level of cognitive dissonance. So what I mean by that is that I have, I am confident in my head that, that Kanye is a Christian and that he is, he, his love for God is utterly sincere and he's produced, you know, kind of one of the best, songs about Jesus that I've encountered in my lifetime and yet he does all this problematic stuff so the problematic stuff doesn't mean that he's not a Christian and he's not a sincere but the fact that he's a Christian doesn't excuse that he's done some problematic things those two things have to exist in our minds at the same time does that make sense yeah it's the work work in progress and a masterpiece that that we're not yeah. one, or, we're not one or the other. We are both. We're both, and we. And the Bible says that. It says that we are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. That God sees us. He sees Jesus. And actually, that 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 means that that we're okay. But it doesn't mean that we then get a hall pass and mm. <laughs> and everything is fine. And I think in our society we have our list of things that we think are acceptable and definitely not acceptable and a whole gradient of things in between whereas what the bible says is sin is sin that god doesn't have different boxes with different weights and so actually if if sin is sin then we're all actually in the same box i may dislike your particular thing i might dislike your particular thing and quite like my particular thing my thing may be more socially acceptable but that doesn't make it different in the eyes of god and and I think sometimes we get hung up on the idea that, well, they shouldn't have done that because that specific yeah. thing doesn't yeah. doesn't sit well with our, with our morals. The sins that I've done are acceptable. The sins that I will never do are definitely not acceptable. Mm. Yeah. Okay, just quickly, quick fire round. If you could take a song and put it in this top 10 list, which one would you go for and why? From the from the songs that I've, I've shamelessly cut out. I'm torn. I've got okay. two. So for me, I would have gone with Peggy Sang the Blues, uh, just because I think it slaps, and uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. Seth, I'm gonna go for a different one to the one I said earlier, which is um, Teeks Say a Prayer again, mm-hmm. another banger for the dance floor that will have me with my arms in the air with a pina colada in one hand, <laughs> my mobile phone in the other. Um, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go for Redemption Song by Bob Marley. I don't know, I have a soft spot for that song. I really do. It's just like, I've been down many dark holes and wanted somebody to go, look, it's okay. You'll be able to turn it around. I, I have a soft spot for that song. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode. We really appreciate it. And, Sefa, we want to say thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I really, it's just, you make me smile so much. And it's, <laughs> it's lovely to, to sort of check in with you. Ah, oh, you are welcome. I love being like a cameo podcaster once in a while. <laughs> All right, guys, you can catch us back on our regular feed for any more episodes. In the meantime, have you guys having a good time? Yeah, it's been great. I love talking about music and finding out something about my favourite songs 
that I didn't realise had a faith parallel is, well, I mean, that's, I think it gives it an extra layer that just means I enjoy it more, I think. Yeah, I think I've picked my playlist to work tomorrow. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye! Bye! Film is hosted and created by Giles Goff and Phil Coleman. Mixing by Phil, editing by Giles. Our logo was designed by Julie Walsh. And our theme tune was composed by Rick Lee. Goddard Film is a Dask production. Please rate and review. Unless it's a one star, in which case, get some friends together to start jamming. Practice a few covers in your mum's garage and start playing a few pubs. Begin writing your own original material. Organise some crowdfunding to pay for some session time and record your first EP entitled Giles and Phil Aren't As Smart As They Think They Are. I promise we'll listen. <laughs>